Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm a feminist, but the other day I went to see my personal trainer. That's right. That's right, I can squat and I can lunge. (laughs) And he was making me do something he called the combat crawl, which was plank from the hands to plank to the elbows, plank from the hands, plank to the elbows, plank to the hands, plank to the elbows. And in my inability to breathe and my desire to live, I looked up at him and said, I think this exercise is for boys. (laughs) And he looked down and said, you could do anything a boy could do. And I looked up and said, that is factually inaccurate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. It's like Tuesday is leg day, and Wednesday is uh, intersectional feminist day. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when listening to someone uh, speak openly about their trouble with binging, I googled ice cream nearby. Because <laughs> I was inspired. <laughs> and it really was a low point and I was like I really fancy ice cream right now I'm a feminist but I recently got in a taxi with some other guilty feminists when we were touring together and we called the taxi And it was on a fixed fee. And they were making him wait because people had... Oh, I've left my phone in the dressing room. Oh, I think I noticed. (laughs) I've now got a chat to somebody on the... Someone's come up to say hi. Or a mate was in and and this poor man was sitting there with the patience of a saint. And it was in Glasgow. I was like, oh, God. And I kept saying, oh, well, you know, put the meter on. It's a fixed fee. And I was like, no, they'll, they'll be here in just a second. And I said, I'll make sure we give you a really good tip. And he said, well, that would be appreciated. So then he drives us, like, it was such a short distance as well. I felt so sorry for the man, like, around the corner or something like that. So I did give him a really big tip at the end because I felt like he'd waited the length of time that it took to drive us there. Uh, he said, oh, that's very generous. And I said, well, we're feminists. We won't shaft you. 
And then he said, I'm just going to ask you one thing. When you get out, give that door a big slam like a proper angry woman. <laughs> and I did, and I loved him for saying that. Oh. Loved him. I thought that was really charming. Yeah. I, looking back, it wasn't, but... <laughs> I don't know that it was meant to be. He was basically saying, oh, you're a feminist, you're an angry woman. But I just really liked the sort of, like, we were having a bonding moment, you know? Yeah. And he wanted to say, is like, don't just part. But then somebody said, I saw him get out. The, our tour manager said, I saw him get out. And he was shutting all the doors again. He was polishing things. He was brushing crumbs off the back seat after you got out. Apparently, we wrecked his cap. <laughs> oh, that's feminism. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I watch UFC. And it upsets me more to see the women punch each other in the face than it does the men. Because they're just prettier. Um, I know. Also, what I love about UFC as well is that they get into each other's uh, life stories. And a lot of, not a lot, about four of the UFC women fighters have been uh, survivors of sexual assault. And I'm a survivor of sexual assault. So I always go for the person that's been sexually assaulted to get them to win. I'm like, you beat that woman up in the face. <laughs> she hasn't been for what you've been through. <laughs> it's like a football team, do you know? It's like, yay, shared trauma, do you know? <laughs> Sorry, I'm really confused. What is the UFC? Oh, it's like Ultimate Fighting Championship. And it's now open up to women, because equality. Um, is this an Irish thing? No. <laughs> No, it was at one point, and then, ooh. Um, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember three years ago? I was like, go on, and now it's like, oh. Um, so, UFC's Ultimate Fighting Championship is basically boxing, kicking, whatever. Anything except kicking in the face or the balls. Those are the two things you can't do. Anything else, fair game. It's like a chipper fight. I'm a feminist, but I really want to do that now. Yeah, it's the best. I'm going to do this one just in case I'm too afraid to say I was sexually assaulted on a podcast. Is that all right? In, in the middle of a joke, yeah. Yeah, sure. do you know, there's no need to slip that in at that time. Uh, save it for Christmas. <laughs> when I've had a few drinks, did you know? <laughs> and they're like, we're trying to enjoy dinner. No, fuck you. Uh, I'll say when. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when I walked through town of my boyfriend and another male friend last Saturday, I involved myself in several altercations between men and women, right? Not because I thought the two men would fight the lads who were involved in the altercations, but because I knew the men would go for the other men first and I could run away. <laughs> I was basically using my partner and his friend as, like... <laughs> Human shields. <laughs> so I'd be like, you leave her alone. <laughs> Do you know? It did felt it great. Oh, it did, yeah. We got a guy um, arrested and everything, so it was good. Yeah. Because he was causing trouble and then he started jerking off in a doorway. So the police were like, oh, yeah, we have to. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I'm never ever going to not be surprised by what Alison Spittle says next. <laughs> Live from the Women's Work Festival in Belfast, the sponsor of the shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Alison Spittle, very special guest, Emma Dabiri, talking about audacity. 
have an assistant tonight. She is a burgeoning stand-up comedian uh, from Northern Ireland, um, and she's only 17 years of age. I know, and she's already been to the Edinburgh Festival, flying the Northern Irish comedy flag, and uh, somebody gave us these amazing feminist cupcakes. Just to give us a cheer if you sent these back. Oh, thank you so much. We noticed that our audience are feeders. And they, what they normally send back is something like a vegan gluten-free brownie, because they make assumptions correctly. And <laughs> feminist food. Just, they, there's always vegans and gluten-free in the dressing room. They are correct. But sometimes you can taste the gluten-free. Now, these seem to be full of everything, because they're delicious. These have made no compensations to anybody. But on the top, there's pictures of feminists and on the back quotes. So we can't eat all of these because we ate all of the ones on the tour and we have to stop at some point. I've had two. I've had myself and Tina Fey. Um, And it's a very intersectional box. So I look at myself and I question it. I question, I go, why did you have yourself and Tina Fey? But they just were the closest and looked delicious. Kate, would you be my glamorous assistant? I've, I'm a feminist, but I think I've just said to a young woman who's a stand-up comedian in Belfast, would you be my glamorous assistant? I was being wry, I was being tongue-in-cheek. What I mean is my feminist power sister. Thank you. Okay. No, I'm definitely glamorous. I, I'm so sorry, my glamorous feminist power sister. <laughs> Okay, um, so this is Kate Talbot. She's a Northern Irish comedian. You're going to be seeing a lot more of her over the years. So, Kate, it's now your job to read out a feminist cupcake slogan, and whoever guesses it wins it. For people... (laughs) Don't, yeah. Yes, yeah, hide it, hide it. This is poker. This is basically poker. I'm funny, I'm not smart. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true, but it's a great line. For people who are not people of colour or LGBT, it is being an ally and advocate in spaces that people of colour or LGBT people can't really get into. Okay, who said that? Some, Donald Trump. <laughs> wow. God, I wish. I, can you imagine if there was just like, you know, Chimamanda, Michelle Obama, you know, Mary Wollstonecraft and Donald Trump in the... <laughs> The wild card in the feminist cupcake bingo. He gets so confused, he might just say it someday. (laughs) (laughs) He does, actually. I'll tell you what, the way to do it would be to get Obama to say the opposite. And he'd be like, "Mm." Does anyone know who that is? Does anyone want to have a go? Is it? I don't know who that is. (laughs) Show the originators. Jessica Williams. Jessica Williams. I know very well who Jessica Williams is. She's one of two dope queens. She's used to on The Daily Show. I know her very well. So uh, nobody won that, not even the people who made the cupcakes. <laughs> Did you know who said it? Yeah, you didn't. Josie knows. Josie, get one of your own cupcakes. <laughs> Woo! Okay, is it all right for you to read this one? Yeah. Good, okay, super. <laughs> Tell him I was too fucking busy or vice versa. Tell him I was too fucking busy or vice versa. It is not Bette Midler. Who is it? Dorothy Parker, correct! Yeah! Okay, she's up there. Excellent. And we'll do one more. Writing in a foreign language has brought me to the cries of the women silently rebelling in my youth to my own true origins. It's beautiful, but who said it? Who is it? 
Who? She's an Algerian activist I've never heard of because I'm a bad feminist. <laughs> Did anyone get that right? Ian Paisley Jr. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does anyone feel they deserve a cupcake for <laughs> feminist reasons? <laughs> Loads of people. Give them away. Be like Oprah. Everyone gets a cupcake. Come on. Kate, have you had one? Kate should have one because she's been doing all the running. Kate, now come on, hurry up. <laughs> Funny, not fast. Um, two what? The two. There are two mums there. Oh yeah, they brought what, sorry? Grania's two mums. Grania's yeah. two mums. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what? Weirdly, there are two cupcakes left, and Grania has two mums. I think we've all done some feminist hey. maths. That was feminist cupcake bingo. <laughs> okay, are we ready for our Audacity episode? I'm ready. Okay, so that was part of the Audacity episode because cupcake bingo requires audacity. Firstly... <laughs> You've got to be audacious enough to make cupcakes and, you know, go out, get your pictures of your feminists, get the quotes, put them on the back, send them backstage and hope the comedians come out and do something with that. Yeah, and you've got to be audacious enough to eat it. I mean, you don't know those people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're great. <laughs> you know? Are you suggesting there's Rohypnol and there's cupcakes or something? I, I was thinking, maybe raisins. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean these are not the kind of women to hide raisins in cupcakes they're not monsters they're generous <laughs> generous women Hello Guilty Feminists, it's Jessica Regan here. I'm delighted to announce some more autumn dates for our Guilty Feminist Big Speeches workshops happening at the Rose and Crown Theatre in Walthamstow. So these workshops are taking place on Sundays, Sunday the 22nd of September, the 29th of September and October 6th and October 13th. So they're all happening at the Rose and Crown Theatre pub in Walthamstow and if you want to come and find your voice and take your space, please get on the website Guilty Feminist com forward slash big speeches to book your place. Our first workshop is nearly sold out, so do get on it to avoid disappointment. Looking forward to seeing you there. Please welcome to the stage, Alison Spittle! <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Because I dropped the sexual assault bomb now, you're going to have to laugh at everything or it'll trigger me. So... <laughs> Sorry. So... <laughs> ah, sure. Uh, so... Um, audacity. So, uh, yeah, I've moved to London from Dublin. And I got robbed eight times when I lived in Dublin. I got flashed as well. Has anyone ever got flashed before? 
It's, so I've had two different incidents where a fella had a knife in my house and a fella who had a crowbar in my house. Both were less scary than some fucker at the side of the road was Mickey out, do you know? <laughs> like, you see that shit, you're like, what were you pointing that thing, you know? <laughs> what happened was I was cycling and I heard this, oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello. And I was cycling, I was like, Alison, don't look up. Don't look up, it's definitely a fella that's fucking a flash here, right? It's definitely. And then another part of my head was like, but maybe, like, it's an eccentric rich man who's going to give you money. Look at him, Alison, show him your eyes. Maybe he'll give you the money, right? <laughs> Take a chance. So I looked up anyway, and lo and behold, there was a lad and he was waving. He was waving in a really weird way. He was waving. He was waving at basically exposed genitalia, right? I'd scared the shit out of me. I cycled home very quick and I got home and I got on to my flatmates and they were like, Jesus, Alison, what's wrong? And I was like, some dirty bastards after showing me his Mickey, right? <laughs> and they were like, God, oh, no, come in, come in. So they brought me in and they made me a cup of tea and I calmed down significantly because, uh, lads, if someone makes you a cup of tea and you don't calm down, you're fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. There's something really wrong. There's something really... So, let's go home anyway. And uh, was sitting there and they called the police, the guards. And uh, what was amazing was like, when I've been robbed before, the guards have a different attitude. The police have a different attitude. But when I got flashed, they came into the front door and they kicked in the front... Well, they didn't kick it in now, in fairness. <laughs> Someone's been flashed. Let's kick in her door. <laughs> it's the only way to help. <laughs> You give her two shocks, it's like the hiccups. Do you know? She'll get over it, she'll be grand. So, so uh, got in anyway, and I could hear the police come up the hallway, and like, these are Irish police, and these are two hunks of mayo ham, like just in high-vis vest, coming in the hallway, and they go, don't worry about it at all, don't worry about it at all. He wouldn't have touched you at all, he wouldn't have touched you at all. He's what's known as a voyeur, right? And I just love an Irish man trying to sound French, do you know what I mean? Especially when it's about something traumatic. <laughs> so they came in anyway and they were like, uh, they were taking down details and they were like, uh, so they, first of all, they were like, the offending object. Um, was it circumcised, was it not, right? And I basically had to admit to a guard that I'd never seen a penis that wasn't in the dark. <laughs> Right? Because I'm Catholic, you know, you gotta... <laughs> you got standards. <laughs> so, <laughs> I basically admitted to the guard that I was a frigid, right? <laughs> and, like, he was writing into her notebook, not the frigids. <laughs> They've after attacking our very own, you know? Our most vulnerable, you know? <laughs> So I couldn't give him a good description of that. So then they said, uh, what was he wearing? And I was like, well, because um, I was just trying to be overly descriptive then. I was like, well, he was dressed like a member of the Backstreet Boys <laughs> from the late 90s, right? And the guard wrote that down. <laughs> the policeman wrote that down. What an amazing man. And I think, like, I just love to think of him later on, on the police radio, going, <coughs> all right, lads, uh, 
Nick Carter is struck again, you guys. He's insatiable. <sighs> Backstreet's back, all right. So, yeah. Um, so, since moving to London, I feel unsafe. I do because it's just a new city, you know, and I have to kind of get used to it and get my bearings. But what I do, and I don't know if you do this, ladies. Hey, ladies. Do you ever, like, put keys between your fingers before you leave the house? Oh, I love it. I call it tooling myself up. I'm like... You pick the keys as well to do the most damage. You're like, which one shall go to the ball today? You pick the sharpest one for this knuckle, right? And then you put, like, the most bluntest, biggest one on the little finger, you know, just in case. And... But what I find is, since moving to London, I got an electrical fob key. So I got one of those little flat plastic keys that open up gates. And it just hangs from my hand. Like a bollocks, you know, just, just useless, getting in the way, that type of thing. And like, you know, I'm walking around like an artisanal wolverine, right? Ready for anything, right? But this fob has put me off. I'm like, how do I make use of this fob in self-defense? And then I was like, well, maybe, hopefully now, the fella who attacks me, he might have a heart condition or something like that, you know? <laughs> maybe a pacemaker. And you could just shove the fob up to his chest and go, you shouldn't be doing crimes in your condition. And then running away. <laughs> it would be amazing. I've had a great time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a lovely night. Alison Spittle, everybody! Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's me, just briefly interrupting your podcast listening to let you know about something very, very exciting. On Thursday, 12th of September, this Thursday, at the London Podcast Festival, I am doing a show called Guilty Feminist House on Fire with Lem Sisse. He's an incredible poet who has a book out now that is the number one on the Sunday Times bestseller list, and it has had five-star reviews. He and I are doing this show where we're getting to know each other live on stage, in conversation, in poetry, in comedy, in joy, in fury. It's at King's Place at 7pm and it's just gone on sale so you can still get tickets. It's kingsplace.co.uk. Get in and get them now. I'm so excited about this show. On Saturday the 14th of September, The Guilty Feminist will be at The Proms. This is a regular Guilty Feminist show with me and Jade Adams, guests mezzo-soprano Jamie Barton and composer Erin Wallen. It's 2.30pm in the afternoon at Bite Hall, spelt B-E-I-T, near the Royal Albert Hall. It's the last afternoon of the last night of The Proms. Do not miss it. There are not many tickets for this left. Go to guiltyfeminist.com for tickets. On Sunday, the 15th of September, I am doing a storytelling night called One Track Minds at Wilden's Music Hall. It's a fundraising event. It starts at 5pm and it's me, David Suchet, Katie Melua and more. Go to wiltons.org.uk for tickets. And this week, I'm going to see Stiletto Beach, a play by the amazing Sadie Hassler, who came on the podcast recently. She talked about this show and now it's a reality. She's genuinely one of the greatest playwrights I know. And this play upends the stereotype of the Essex girl. It's at Queen's Theatre Hornchurch till 28th of September. I'm going this Wednesday, 
If you'd like to go any night, go to queens-theatre.co.uk for tickets. And for those in New York, I want to tell you that Millie Thomas's amazing play, Dust, that I told you about, just got the New York Times critics pick. So get tickets while you can. New York Theatre Workshop. I'll be going when I'm in New York later this month. Wednesday, the 6th of November. I am at the Dublin Podcast Festival with the Guilty Feminist. It's 8.30pm at Vicar Street. Honestly, my favourite venue. Go to ticketmaster.ie for tickets or find it on the Guilty Feminist website. Can't wait to come back to Dublin. See you there, gang. You are their best audience. Now back to the podcast. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cost. Two audacious women came up to me tonight and I wish to reward audacity and feminists, if it's the right kind of audacity, which it was. Gender chores are a punk, a punk feminist band. Does anyone know them? Okay, if you don't know them, you can see them tonight at uh, Women's Word Showcase at the Oh Yes Centre after this gig. So if this gig has got you all worked up and you feel like you need to jump up and down some, gender chores, go out of here and jump up and down to feminist punk. But the other person is somebody who came up and told me about an issue that's really important to her and she just said, how can I get this message out there? And I said, you can get it out with audacity. You've come up to talk to me, come up onto the stage and tell everyone. Uh, So Sarah Rose, where are you? Big applause for Sarah Rose. So come up to the front. Yeah, come up to the front because we've only got two minutes because we need to get our guest on. So Sarah Rose, can you give us your two-minute TED Talk on what you want to talk about? Okay, so hi, I'm Sarah Rose. I have an Instagram called My Pelvic Pain. So I've been suffering from pelvic pain for 10 years now in Belfast, growing up with this. There's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of help out there. It took me nine years to get someone to believe that I was actually in pelvic pain. Um, so last year I was diagnosed with a condition called pelvic floor dysfunction, which a lot of people don't know. They're not aware of it. There's not a lot of help out there. And I'm currently investigating endometriosis, which infects one in 10 women. So that's 10% of women. Currently in Northern Ireland, we don't actually have any endometriosis clinics, don't have any specialists. You don't have any endometriosis clinics in the whole of Northern Ireland? Or in the Republic. Yeah. 
We're, sh- we're shit too. So we have, <laughs> we, have, we have gynecologists that have an interest, but they're not actually accredited. Oh, they have an interest. Oh, well, that's nice. No, yeah. literally. Here, that's what they said to fishing. That's what know, they... I, I like to watch Game of Thrones. Uh, what? An no, that's what they said, because I was like, but you're not accredited. They're like, well, we've got an interest. But okay. yeah, so... So what can we do to help? What we're trying to do is kind of raise awareness of this and myself, I'm talking about my journey. So to get treatment is quite long. If you want to get an NHS trust transfer to England, it can take up to a year because there's five steps to get there. So you have to get a referral from your GP. You go to the first legal tribunal to get funding. You go to the second legal tribunal to get funding. You then, if you pass all those steps, have to go and see if there's a consultant in England who will then treat you. You then go on their waiting list and then you go on the standard waiting list that's in England. So you have an Instagram called yeah. my pelvic pain my pelvic pain yeah. everybody follow yeah and if you can put instructions there as to how we can help yeah so currently i'm going private unfortunately like i'm just getting all the debt on my credit card because it's been 10 years can't hack it anymore i need to go see a specialist and try and get my insights sorted out if we don't have the right to choose over our bodies how are we going to have the right to choose over our women's health it all feeds in the same basis yeah. it's all together you know it wasn't until i was engaged and about to get married that people sorted caring about my pelvic pain up until then it was like oh wait hang on you've had sex that's why you're in pain mm. it was the whole thing it was until oh you get married or you're gonna have to have a baby or you're gonna have to give your husband a wedding and night we'll sort you out mm. and it's the whole cycle and it's not just me in Belfast it's the whole of Ireland we're yeah. all suffering in this okay. and we deserve better big round of applause for Sarah Rose follow my pelvic pain on Instagram okay Our guest today is the author of the book, Don't Touch My Hair. This book is becoming an absolute phenomenon. The author is absolutely incredible. Please welcome to the stage, Emma Dabiri. Come take a seat. How are you, Belfast? So, Emma, you're over here at the Belfast Literary Festival, and you've been talking about your book, signing copies of it. Yes. Can you please tell us about it? The book is called Don't Touch My Hair, so I guess the title is pretty explanatory, but for those of you who don't know like what I'm referencing, it's the phenomenon whereby black women and men as well, particularly those of us who've grown up in or been in quite white environments, experience the unsolicited and unauthorized touching of our hair pretty much constantly. So the title is in reference to that, but the book is about a lot more than that. It's like a history and kind of social commentary on black hair, but it talks about a lot of things, but uses hair as the kind of jumping off point to cover a whole host of topics. Yeah, because in the book you say that like black hair is a political issue. Sorry, I've listened to it, so I don't know how to ask a question. In like, you said a really good thing about this. I'm, I'd be shit in a chat show, basically. <laughs> you, wouldn't. you wouldn't, Alison. Did I you say that? Your first guess would be Jesus. Your second guess would be Mr. Tato. And then it would turn into a porno. <laughs> be no- oh, can, I do, can I just say about Mr. T- about Mr. <laughs> yeah. Tato? Please, um, please. I actually find the way he has features up here like really obscene. Like, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Like, I came off the plane today, and I just, like, in George Best Airport, I just seen, like, Mr. Potato, like, not Mr. Potato, Mr. Tato. Mr. Tato, I know, call him by his name. <laughs> Mr. Very, Potato Mr. is Potato. his father's name. 
I, it's a bit like um, nasty, ma- <laughs> filthy, magna- filthy, <laughs> McNasty. nasty. That ne- my husband was called Nasty McQuaid, so there's quite a significance. Between- he's not called that anymore. He's um, he's been given a new name, but his his name for a long time was Nasty McQuaid. So Is I was he, really relating to what that. What do you mean he was Is given he a kinder name? McQuaid? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a DJ, and his DJ name was Nasty McQuaid, but he was given that because of, well, his surname being McQuaid and his behaviour. Um, <laughs> See, that's meant to tip women off, but you just looked past it and married him. <laughs> Do you know how we met? Like, it's so unfeminist. Oh, well, no, tell um, us. So he, I went to see a band, and he was the DJ like, that was playing kind of between the bands. And we were outside on the street afterwards, he was behind me. Somebody came up to me and they were like, oh, where are you from? Or what's your mix or something? And I was like... What's oh. your mix? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, these are real don't touch my head. These things happen regularly. Wow. <laughs> so I um, indulged them. I told them my mix. I was like, I'm Irish and Nigerian. And I just heard someone behind me being like, you're fucked then. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shit mix. What? <laughs> I was just like... Excuse me, but it really caught my attention because usually people are like, "Oh, that's so fascinating, that's so exotic." But I was like, "Oh, this is new." This yeah, is yeah. New. Shit mix sounds like the death metal tribute band to Little Mix, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just a touch of your love is enough to kill me. I don't know how I got there. I don't care. So, so, yeah, that's how you met your husband. And uh, presumably he turned it around after that. Because it was was provocative. It was sort of... That's an example of audacity, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't saying... It was a shit mix. He was saying... He was basically making a joke about oppression and marginalisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he back up his claims of how it was shit, though? Did he... Like, what was the... I'm more interested (laughs) in the second line of how he saved it. (laughs) Do you know what? It's all kind of blurry now, because this is, like, a very, very long time ago. I just remember that opening gambit mm. and that I think like, he was saying there's intersections of marginalisation yeah. that's what he was saying and also it's like, a very feminist thing to say exactly I exactly think he I, would totally agree I mean it depends how hot he is how feminist that is <laughs> he looks like Mr Tato how, how feminist I can <laughs> I can how feminist I'm I can justify that is <laughs> yeah is he hotter than Mr Tato or <laughs> on a good day yeah yeah <laughs> But you find Mr. Tato quite obscene. Yeah, so I really don't like him with the features. Like, yeah. So I came off the plane and saw him everywhere, and I was just like, oh, it's like Mr. Tato, but not as I know him. No. And I just couldn't like, place what was so wrong about him. I was just like, oh, that's really off-key. Yeah. And then when you were describing the chiseled jaw and the feet, I was like, that's what it is. He's got loads of features. Like, he's, I, I'm not used to that. I'm just used to like, kind of a... He's so wrong. You're right. used to the Republic of Ireland, Mr. Tato, yeah. who's much more... Nebulous. He's, He's just more... a crisp in a jacket, I think. <laughs> but would you rather fuck a crisp in a jacket or a potato, a potato with, with, a, tr- like with a strong jaw? Yeah. It's like... I'd rather fuck a potato with a strong jawline. <laughs> yeah, a crisp I'm going to go gonna crisp bring... in a jacket. <laughs> well, listen, we can go out drinking together because we're never going to go after the same guys. I mean, that's, I'll be like, crisp in a jacket, 12 o'clock. You'll be like, potato with a jaw. 4pm and I'll be like boom see you back here later sister after I have the baby you're, you're on let's do it yeah. yeah yeah. to be fair you're probably not going out looking to pick up many crisps crisp based men at the moment you're, you're pregnant you've got a book out you're busy but come October come October 
It's crisp um, time. It's, <laughs> it's crispy crisper time. This is not relevant to your book. Now it's not. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't really tell, tell me. you. No, no, no. It's quite a relief to not be talking about I bet, I bet, absolutely. <laughs> so the book is about political Can you do another book called Don't Touch My Crisps? <laughs> <laughs> or Back off my Tato Man. Yeah, there you go. I think that would be too contentious. Like, that, yeah. Back off my Tato. Back off my Tato. Do people really just go up and touch your hair? Like, without your permission? Yeah, to be honest, like, when it's like this, not so much. It mostly happens to me when it's in its natural state, which is, like, just a very big afro. And just because um, it's a podcast, when you say when it's like this, could you just describe it? Oh, yeah. So these are boho braids, they're called. It's a type of... Um, attachment called crochet braiding so what's going on is my own hair is corn road underneath and then these are extensions which are stitched on wow. to the corn rows it's extremely cool Thank and i'm you. definitely not going to ask to touch it just to be very very <laughs> it wouldn't occur to me though but i do have friends who say that people will just touch it without asking yeah In a club, they'll just grab it they'll just go oh look your hair and i don't know them at all yeah, or they'll ask, but they're not like waiting for your answer because like I'm in the process of saying no. Yeah, and like the hand is. It's like when someone asks there. for, can I take one of your chips, but their hand is already in the chip <laughs> or, or your you crisps know? even. Yeah, your crisps. Your Mr. Tato's. Yeah, <laughs> that is a piece of audacity that isn't okay because it's about your own bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's similar to what Sarah Rose was talking about around your own bodily autonomy. We have a big issue in Northern Ireland with abortion being illegal. And in other parts of the world, including America, there's moves to take that bodily autonomy away from women. If we're not in charge of what goes on inside of us, how do we have any other human rights? And it's a similar issue, really. Somebody coming up and thinking, I own your hair enough. Even though I don't know you, I own your hair enough to touch it. And it's part of women feeling like public property, which then there is an extra intersection for women of colour. Yeah, absolutely. And... um People have compared it to me. They're like, oh, well, that's kind of like, you know, when you're pregnant and people touch your belly, which is, again, uh, an invasion of your autonomy and, like, your body, your bodily autonomy. But that's not racialized in the Mm. same way, so it's different. Like, the thing with the hair is emerging from a history, like, not that distant a history and a history that we very much live with the consequences of the legacy of where white people owned black people, so we're entirely entitled to ownership and control of our bodies. So I think it's actually a legacy of that kind of entitlement because it's n- it never happens in the reverse. I've actually conducted, not a very scientific experiment, but an experiment of sorts where I've just accosted white women on the street and um, just been like, oh my God, is that your real hair? That's mad. Like the way, I won't say what I would have said because it's kind of borderline offensive, but it's the equivalent of what people say to me and the shock and the horror and the surprise Mm. like they're terrified I don't usually get very far because they're just terrified and a lot of like women do it to me and men do it to me as well and when I'm if I do it to white women the shock and the terror if I was a black man doing it to white women 
I don't think he'd get very far. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, he might get arrested or something. Exactly. But white men do that to you? They oh, click yeah. him up and they just go, oh, wow, is your hair real? And they start touching it, uh, It's not even like, oh, wow. Certainly when I was growing up, it was way more like, what the fuck is that? Like... <laughs> like, you grew up in Ireland and I grew like, up in Dublin yeah yeah, and it's yeah. Like predominantly so people white. would just be like oh my god look at her hair and then they'd come over and they'd be like Jesus the state of that so they wouldn't even be talking to me they'd just be like having what, talking this... about you yeah <laughs> over the top of your hair yeah. to each other yeah yeah so as I've grown and become older it's become more polite <laughs> because they'll actually engage me but when yeah. I was younger it was just about me often. wow so yeah do you find you're a double target now that you're pregnant because it could be sort of like a hair-belly double. <laughs> so you would think, but funnily enough, that has, it's never happened to me. Not with this pregnancy or with my son either. So for some reason, people are like quite hands-off when it comes to me being pregnant. But when it's my hair, it's like open season. Wow, so. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. What's the reactions been? Like, how do you react now when someone tries to touch your hair? And how does the person react to you? Uh, reacting to them touching your hair? Recently, um, I was in a Vietnamese restaurant and I ha it wasn't an afro, it was just my hair in braids. When my hair is in braids, I actually personally feel less triggered, for want of a better word, by it. Because when it's just my hair texture and people are responding in this way, like, what the fuck is this? Like, how did you get your hair like that? How does anybody's hair look like that? That's not a style. That's just like the way my hair grows. And the fact that that causes so much kind of fascination and shock and just surprise, like just really, that really makes me feel like a spectacle or like something that's on show yeah. or on display. But when it's actually because I have like an intricate or ornate hairstyle, that changes it. And I'm like, okay, maybe the person is just interested in like the styling technique. But anyway, I had a braided style and this Vietnamese woman was like, oh, your hair is really beautiful. And then she touched, I think she asked me, but for some reason it didn't really bother me. The energy was just such that in that moment it didn't bother me. Yeah. And we actually ended up having a really nice conversation in that instance. I was thinking maybe because the history isn't so loaded between mm. me and her, I don't know, but also this, the intention seemed different. But then equally, I could just be like, no, it really depends. I had one instance quite recently where a kind of middle-aged white woman was just like, oh my God, is that your real hair? Can I touch it? I was saying no, and she already had like a handful of it. And I was like, sorry, did you not hear me or do you not understand? And she was just like, what do you mean? And I, was like, I said, you, you can't touch it. Can you please like remove your hand from my body? And she was just like, you're an incredibly rude individual. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like fuck off like you like, you've come up to me yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah 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 if you ask you have to be prepared for no for even no, if that's yeah. embarrassing for you don't ask if you can't hear no and don't touch without asking those are the basics but it's also kind of weird to ask or oh, to even very, want to oh it's like, very weird to ask but i'm trying to get into her head yeah, yeah yeah i mean i would never ask and i think it's weird to ask but in anything in life, don't ask unless you're prepared to hear no. Yeah. You can't ask, and then the person says no, and then you go, you are so rude. <laughs> How dare it's like, you? Well, clearly the question was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. You felt you had an entitlement, mm -hmm. and so that's where the audacity sits. I have an entitlement to yeah. touch you. If you think as recently as 1917, I think the year was, there was a black African man <laughs> in a zoo in New York. Yeah. So it's really like in the last hundred years that black people were on display as animals often or as wildlife. So there's a very recent history of that kind of 
spectacle of black features and the black body. So it's all very loaded. And like, what relationship do you have with your hair throughout your life? Being an ex-Catholic, I have a weird relationship with sex. And like, sometimes I love it. And sometimes I'm like, that wouldn't be for me now. That type of thing. So... And it's I've got all that going on. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but you're a product of like you know your environment that you grown up in, and and what's your journey been like for you with your hair? Yeah. So as a young child, like I just hated it, and I couldn't understand why I had it because there was nobody around me that had the same type of hair. Not even like in my own family. And there were very few black people like in Ireland in that time. So in my immediate kind of world there was nobody with hair like mine and even in terms of representation I wouldn't have seen anybody with the type of hair texture that I had and it caused like so much um as I've described like people just being like what the fuck's wrong with her I just hated it and just thought it was like something that was wrong with me like a disfigurement almost I just like desperately wanted to have kind of limp mousy brown hair <laughs> like I would have literally killed for that so yeah I just wanted to like you know, look normal. And especially, like, for little girls, like, straight, thick blonde hair. Like Rapunzel. Yeah, was, like, the holy grail. But I would have just settled for, like, mousy brown. All little girls that just had really long hair and did all this stuff with their hair that I was just, like, totally excluded from. I had just, like, a really short afro. I had a... Um, and in no way to equate, it doesn't stack up in any way, but I had a school teacher in Australia... We were all meant to be allowed to audition for the school dancing competition and we all went to like ballet or jazz ballet after school, so we were all excited. And I didn't have any friends, so I was really, really excited. My only friend at this point was God. Um, He's I went a to, good pal to have well, in I your corner. To, I'd moved to a new school and I went to Sunday school and they said, God is your friend. And that was literally true at that point because I didn't have any other friends. So I was thinking, if I get picked for the school dancing competition, I'll be in a girl band. It's going to be easy. I'm going to be cool. I've got a friend. And the day that we were meant to be allowed to audition, Miss Power, her name, Dickensian, stood up, real name, Nasty McPower, she was called. Um, uh, she wasn't. She stood up and went, Rod, all the blonde girls stand up. And then all the blonde girls were put up against a wall and she went down picking the ones that she thought were the prettiest. And she went, you three and Janine Henney. And Janine Henney had brown hair, but she was an awesome dancer. She had trophies. And it was at that point I realised if you were brunette, you needed a talent. It wasn't going to be enough. Like, I was never in Australia going to get by on hair colour alone. Um, and I, but it really made me work on my skills because I went, well, if I'd just been born blonde, but I used to think, how old do I have to be before I'm allowed to dye my hair? Um, it does mean a lot. Yeah, oh, I said bad things have happened to you past 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, shit. All right. Um, thank you to everybody at uh, the Limelight in Belfast. <laughs> Everybody who's come out, everyone who said anything, Sarah Rose, Kate Talbot with Kate Bingo, and my amazing co pilot, Alison Spittle. Everyone go and buy Don't Touch My Hair. It's a brilliant book. Or get the audiobook if you prefer podcasts. The audiobook's brilliant. It's a really important thing to listen to or to read. Uh, so get your copy. Ideally, get it in a hardback and in the audiobook. I know that because I have a book and my publisher doesn't like me saying, I mean, no, nothing. <laughs> um, You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Brotzels White, guest co-host Alison Spitz, and our very special guest, Emma Dabiri. The recording engineer was Chris Morrow. The music was by Mark Hodge, and the producer was Tom Selinski for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Luke Phil McIntyre Entertainments, and everyone at the Limelight, as well as all of you for listening. More information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Thank you so much.
wonderful audience. Thank you so much. because there's a club so uh, uh, either come back into the limelight uh, go and see the amazing punk band uh, Gender Chores at the OES Centre or we'll see you at Filthy McNasty's thank you very much but she had a pelvic yeah no 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 oh. but she referenced now for NI yeah cool um, so Jesus I can't keep up now no <laughs> Uh, but All these Sarah hashtags. Rose, How Sarah about just hashtag leave us the fuck alone <laughs> to govern ourselves? <laughs> Sorry. Don't start the troubles again, please. Okay. <laughs> Literally just come here for one night and you were going to start the troubles. And it's, yeah. it's so many things you've said. Could, I mean... Um, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this in a way that will <laughs> not, not start the troubles. Not start the troubles. Sure. We didn't start the troubles. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Billy Joel is not the answer right now. I've said that to you before, Alison, today. It's not the first time I've said that to her today. She thinks Billy Joel is the answer to everything. Um, Hello, all you lovely guilty feminists. This is Sindhu V. And I wanted to tell you that as of today, the 5th of September, I am going back on tour with my show Sandhog. It is starting at the Bloomsbury Theatre today, but there are no tickets for that, so why am I even telling you? However, after this, I will be in Cambridge, that's tomorrow, then Nottingham, then Bristol, then Liverpool, then Maidenhead, then Salisbury, then Exeter, Brighton, Redditch, Oxford, Watford, Southend, Colchester, Hayes, Hexham, Edinburgh, Newcastle, Glasgow, maybe Kirkcaldy. Let's see, buy some tickets, then I'll come there. Otherwise, then back in Aberdeen, and then Bury St. Edmunds, Canterbury, Leeds, Harrogate, North Allerton, Southport, uh, Chipping Norton, and then Leicester, and then Birmingham. And then maybe crew, buy some tickets and crew people so I can come there. And then I'm going to come to Camberley, Swansea, Bath, Cheltenham, Potter's Bar, North Finchley, Taunton, uh, the Lowry in Salford, and that's it. So all of those dates, it ends sort of end of November. Please buy a ticket to come see me if you're in one of those towns or if you're near one of those towns. If you know people who you like, or even people you don't like, frankly, tell them to buy a ticket. The show is about... It's about love. It's about the love we have for our parents, for our kids, for our partners, and how difficult it really is to love anyone consistently for a long time because it's demanding love. Anyway, so do buy a ticket. Please come. Love to see you there. Also, if there's a general election, make sure you get out and vote. That's important. What else do I want to tell you? That's about it. You know, just come to my show, make sure you vote, and most of all, be well and be good to one another. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. 
Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Bye.